Well, good evening, everybody. My name is Ryan Miner, and I am here with, as he calls himself, my sidekick, but he's my co-host of a minor detail podcast uh, in partnership with Maryland Reporter um, with my co-host Len Lazarick of MarylandReporter.com. He is their editor and publisher. We're here at Harry Brown's, and as Len said, we had the guys on for two weeks. Now it's time for the gals, and we have two very distinct members of the Maryland House of Delegates, um, starting off with um, Delegate Jocelyn Pena Melnick of District 21. She represents Anne Arundel County and Prince George's County, and she's the vice chair of the Health and Government Operations Committee. That's a that's a mouthful right there. <laughs> and we have... HGO, we call it. HGO. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And she's a Democrat on the Republican side. We had the pleasure of having... Uh, the House Minority Whip, Kathy Shalega, uh, and she is the. She is also on the Health and Government Operations Committee on yeah. the House side. Jocelyn and I have been there. I've been this is my third year. How long have you been there, Jocelyn? Twelve. Twelve years. Twelve years. Wow. And and it's the the best actually, it, it has the reputation <laughs> of being one of the most bipartisan committees that that. You know, people work together on committees. I mean, there's a lot of bipartisanship on, on other committees, but particularly HGO has, has been known for that under the previous chairman, right? Actually, I'm the both chairman, and I would agree. I have I served uh, with Pete Hammond and now with Chairman Pendergrass. And it is a committee where, I mean, we have Kathy, but we also have Nick Kipke, where, it, you know, health does not matter whether, it, when it comes to health, it doesn't matter whether you are Republican or a Democrat or an independent, right? Cancer does not discriminate. So it's truly a committee where we try to find solutions and build consensus. So I, I love my committee. I am very biased, but I believe it's the best in the House. Well, and I've been on three committees. I spent my first four years on um, appropriations, and then two on environment, transportation, and then two on HGO. And it is a well-earned reputation of a bipartisan, um, very collaborative, Everybody feels very respected in the committee, and you know there are opportunities where we're not going to agree, but we do it agree. You know we don't disagree disagreeably. But they want to work together and put aside our differences. But for the most part. 95 of what we do, we do by And I agree. What I'm picking up on, and it's my first official session, covering session, is that Annapolis, the culture down here, is so different, so it seems, from the national culture, even though there's some partisan differences among the members and both of the chambers. There's a real collegial attitude amongst the members down here, and oftentimes I see... Democrats and Republicans really working together. That's refreshing for uh, a, a legislature and here in our general, general assembly. And I, I think that's it's a great thing in America. And I think more state state legislatures across the country probably have the same type of atmosphere as Maryland does. And uh, that's why we, I think that's what it's all about is serving your constituents. So t- tell us what you're working on in terms of. Uh, Healthcare insurance—that uh, th- is a continuing problem. You had a very col- collaborative process uh, last year, last session, and uh, came up with a solution. But it was only really a, a, a one-year solution, correct? No, uh, it's actually two to three years. So okay. we know that before Obamacare and before we expanded Medicaid. 
Our uninsured rate in Maryland, I mean, was really high. We had almost 750,000 people without health insurance. Mm -hmm. When we created the health exchange and we expanded Medicaid, we have covered almost half a million people. But then you have people that are in the individual insurance market, people that do not get the benefit of the tax breaks, right, right, and the incentives. Mm -hmm. So they, a lot of them, are not able to buy insurance. Well, they're not able to buy insurance to their employer. And they buy um, insurance on and off the um, health exchange. They, some of them were paying more than their mortgage. Yeah. So we came together to try to find a solution and created a reinsurance program. And we require, all of us were actually supportive of a bill that required the Maryland Health Exchange to put in a 1332 waiver under the ACA in order to create a reinsurance program. So we're getting about a billion dollars for the next two to three years to stabilize that market, but we have to find a permanent solution, and that is what we're working towards. And I think the problem, um, you know, started Maryland has had a unique and um, pretty viable one good health insurance market with the small group reforms that were done in the 90s and you know we do some creative things that other states hadn't done and one of them was a high risk pool it used to be called MHIP Maryland Health Insurance Program and chronically ill people who could not get insurance because they, they were not insured by their employer and they couldn't afford individual coverage because they had diabetes, high blood pressure, lots of health ailments um, we had a fund that that helped subsidize their insurance rates so they could get it reasonably. Well, after Obamacare was passed, it dissolved and it went away. There was an MDF. Those sick people that with chronic health problems, about 35,000 of them, went into the regular health insurance pool, and it made everyone in that small group, about 150,000 people, it made their insurance very expensive. So this reinsurance program helps... Um, subsidize and stabilize the market for folks because it's important that everyone gets health insurance and they can afford it. But the problem is that not everybody gets health insurance, right? Because when you're young, you think you're invincible and you're not going to get insurance. So what's left in the pool are the very sick. You're not going to get sick, of course. And that is what, and so a lot of the policies that you see uh, this year you know, uh, like the individual responsibility bill where you have a down payment uh, plan is to, you know, make sure that the pool is actually a healthy pool and it's a larger pool. Um, but we did manage to reduce the rates and now our committee is looking for other solutions um, moving us forward. Um, one of them is the Prescription Drug Affordability Board that you had asked about yeah. um, earlier. And this um, bill will create a five-member Prescription Drug Affordability Board that would also have a 21-member uh, 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 stakeholder board. And what they're going to look, they're going to look at different factors and different drugs, and especially those very uh, specialty drugs where people are spending more than $30,000 a year on their insurance. And what this board will do is not set you know, prices. There is. This is not what the board will do. It will have an upward limit where we will say this is what we're willing, you know, to pay once you look at all these factors. And the bill actually gives the insurance company, the pharmaceutical companies, an opportunity to be heard. And also if they're not satisfied with the decision, they can also appeal it. 
And what is really important about the bill is that it will make drugs more affordable for people, especially people that are making really a decision about whether to pay their rent, their mortgage, or buy their medication or their food. Yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you feel about this approach, Kathy? Well, you know, I, I haven't read the bill. I don't think it's back yet. It's not back yet. And I think one thing I know we agree on across the board, we need to figure out how to moderate prescription drug prices. I mean, it is a problem we've been dealing with the PBM. Even the president says he favors that, yeah, right? I, I don't he think, does look, favor that. There's no one. I don't take any drug. I don't take any prescriptions. So it, it doesn't personally affect me. But we all need, everyone has a reason to want to make sure prescription drug prices are affordable. Well, we think of our and parents, grandparents. I have grandparents that are in their late 80s and early 90s. They're on a whole host of prescription drugs every day. And just as a family who is as a, one of the caretakers for my grandparents, I can tell you that that is something we constantly struggle with. And every day we see rising costs for a prescription. And my grandfather, who's a veteran, does he have the option to go to the Veterans Administration, or how's how is someone who is living off of Social Security in a, you know, a small pension going to pay for these rising costs? And I know, Delegate, last year you put forward the same bill. I think it failed in the Senate. What happened? What was the hang-up in the in the Senate chamber? So we did pass it in the House. And it was a compromise bill, so I was not happy with it. was really watered down. But it was a compromise, right? That's what we do. When it arrived to the Senate, it actually passed the Finance Committee. It got to the Senate floor on signing die, and it never got off off second reader. So that's this, the last day of session. Yeah, it's the last right day of session. Yeah. <laughs> so it means at midnight. Yeah. Yeah. The last day of session. If something hasn't passed, it's dead. Yeah, it so means it gets into the traffic jam. That's that, right. The last so day. That's correct. So this year, we're actually hopefully uh, we're doing it early, and there's a work group that has been put together by Senator Klaus Meyer, who's crossing it in the Senate, and we brought together a lot of the different stakeholders mm-hmm. to come together and see we can compromise so we have a model right like the public service commission Mm -hmm. they actually set rates for the utility companies and we're not even setting rate we're saying this is the upper limit that you'll pay so you can go to another state and charge whatever you want we're just saying in maryland this is what we will pay and if you think about it has it been done before is there precedent who will will pay the insurance companies or medicaid or it will be all the uh, all the uh the payers any health insurance yeah and if you think about it medicaid does it medicare does it they already negotiate the rates, and also the um, we do that with hospital rates, right, Kathy? Where we have we set the rates for hospitals already for all payers. So, so, the, so does does this get around the problem that that the earlier bill about prescri- prescription drugs had in the court in the federal courts? Right. Well, this gets around it because the proposed legislation does not violate the commerce clause of the United States Constitution because we're not setting the prices. It It doesn't try to regulate the prices. That's right. We're not regulating. You could go to D.C., Virginia, New York and charge whatever you want. But we're saying for the citizens in Maryland and for our health care system here, because we have such a unique all-pair model, right? Maryland is the only state in the country. You know, we need to be very careful when we look at our waiver and the total cost of care that uncompensated care will 
you know, affect the waiver. Prescription drugs will, the high cost, affect the waiver. So we're looking at it, you know, from that perspective. Yeah, I'm not sure that, you know, I'm, I'm anxious to see it and hear what the work group is working on because, again, we all want the same end. I just don't know how we get there. And I, I'm not sure. You know, there's smart people working on it. I, I know one thing that I hear from my constituents is why is it that these drugs are cheaper in Europe? And yeah. they are. And that's a question we need to get And answered. in Canada. In yeah. Canada. Okay. Other countries, these drug manufacturers and the middlemen that sell them, yeah. it's not the manufacturers, but it's the middlemen. Everyone. You know, mm-hmm. other places can negotiate better prices. We're paying for the research. We're paying for the development. That's great. We're subsidizing but why it. are we, you know, and, and part of it is, you know, I believe what the, what the manufacturers and middlemen would say is, in France, it might cost French people less, but the French government is paying the rest of it. Right. So and they are subsidizing it. So it might be something that's, a, you know, $100 here. It's $50 in France. It just means the nation of France is paying the other 50 We need to figure that out. But it's not the case in every country that has it, and I can tell you that because we've done the research. But the fact is that we do need to look at it. Um, and we have very, like you said, smart people looking at it, but our constituents want some relief. I mean, they really do. And it's, again, an issue where, you know, you have the county executive, uh, is it Barry Glassman? Barry yeah, Glassman. he sent a letter yesterday. Who, who sent a, yeah, that's right. Supporting it. He did. And he's, he's getting some pushback. But that brings another question to the table. One of the constituencies, this seems like a, a major push all around, you have to bring a lot of people to the table for this discussion. Let's talk about the the number of groups and maybe lobbyists or organizations who are coming to your committee and saying, let's get this done. So we have a lot of, you have the uh, health care for all, um, you have uh, a lot of the Alzheimer's group, you have um, AARP, you have, uh, you know, at the table right now, we're talking to everyone. We're to- we ha- I have... T- spoken to pharma, I have spoken to the generics, I have spoken to the hospitals, I have spoken to the doctors. I mean, we really have everyone um, at the table and we're talking because we want to find a solution that works, right? So as a legislator, we put forward a, a bill you know, and, and we don't know all the answers, right? We don't have all the expertise, but we have to be open to getting input from everyone to come up with something. And you, your committee is really thick with lobbyists. You, you walk into the committee room, you walk into the com- <laughs> committee room, and and uh, unlike some of the other committees, there are, there are actually very few real people, and and most of the lobbyists know who I am, and so so if if I walked into the room, it's like Oh, what's going what's going on today? Because it's kind of like the lobbyists and the committee. I mean, well, I, do you I have the? I'll tell you, appropriations is worse because the only people in appropriations are government bureaucrats. Because the only thing they do is hear the budgets of the government departments. So you walk into appropriations, it's all secretaries of the various yeah, departments yeah, yeah. and their chiefs of staff and their legislators. Those are the taxpayer-paid lobbyists. Yes, yes, exactly. That's right. Exactly. Well, if you go to economic matters, you have a lot of the industry, right? The yeah. retailers, the utility companies, telephone companies. So it depends on the subject matter. And I wanted to point out that I read an article from January the 7th that several of the county executives uh, throughout Maryland are backing this this effort as well. Total of eight. Yes. 
uh, seven Democrats. Including and, your uh, own. And including my own and Frederick, um, you know, Baltimore County, Howard County, and um, the, the Mr. Glassman. So it's really a bipartisan effort because people get it. I mean, even the federal government, right, number 45, <laughs> I refuse to name him, but Trump it has, <laughs> has some, some <laughs> similar stuff, similar, you, you know, proposals. You just to I did, I did, because you looked at me, so I figured, let me, you know, go ahead. But you know, it's it's. Uh, we need to anybody couldn't figure out who look, 45 was. Bottom line is that we need to do something about it, and um, and we're at the table. The bill is not back yet, so the committee will look at it. Once I present it, the bill is not mine. It is really the committee's bill. It is the committee's bill to amend. Everyone, every single member of the committee will be heard. So and is Senator Klausmeyer going to introduce the same thing in the Senate? Yes, and, she is. And the idea is. Yes, to she have is. She's upstairs right now. We should go grab. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, it, as Jocelyn said, in healthcare, it's not a partisan issue. Yeah, that's we right. We agree on um, pre-existing conditions; they should be covered. There's, there's no one. I don't know a soul that says we shouldn't cover pre-existing conditions. That's right. And that pharmacy prices. We need to figure out how to make pharmacy, you know, pharmaceuticals affordable for people. Insurance costs. We need to find out a way to make sure people can get insurance that is affordable. So, you know, these are important issues, and and we all. Share so you a- agree goal. on the goals, but not necessarily not the solution. Yes, we we don't always agree on how to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we do, generally speaking, agree on the goal. And, you know, regarding pre-existing conditions, we have, the chair has a bill that she's introducing to codify it into law. Because, you know, there's a lawsuit from the 20 different um, attorney general, uh, uh, the governors. And it, it was the uh, Texas versus Azar case that will probably end up in the Supreme Court. Hmm. And depending on what happens... It, it might put in jeopardy the pre-existing condition um, requirement. And in Maryland, we have it in our laws, in our title. So it's not just the pre-existing oh, condition. Oh, this is where the, te- the Texas judge overturned that's right. the, the Affordable Care Act that's provision. The, yeah. And it's, it's going to end up in the Supreme Court. So a lot of states are nervous, and what they're doing is that they're codifying into law the pre-existing condition provision because it's not just pre-existing condition. It's also a lot of other provisions as well. And, and it's... And it's a- Frankly, to be political now, but you know, it, it is a Democrat talking point, and and you know, it was their number one agenda item, to which we're like, duh, we all agree on that. Yeah. So go well, team. but I think that besi- <laughs> besides the politics, besides the politics, the fact is that we are putting in a bill to protect you know, your constituents and mine, because we don't know what the Supreme Court is going to do, and we don't, we cannot, the states do not control what the court is going to do, so that there's no question about, you know, that we provided and that it's covered. And we have worked with the Maryland Insurance Administration, Mr. Al Retmer, and with the AG's office, and with the insurance company. We brought them together last week, and everyone agrees that we need a bill. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be a union. And, and yeah, you have I the governor's see. backing? Which will be wonderful. No oh, I don't know whether the governor is backing I'm it. I have no knowledge. Sure the governor's talked about pre-existing. Again, I, I do not know a soul that does not support covering pre-existing conditions in the Maryland legislature. Not in Maryland, but in other um, states, absolutely. Speaking of the governor, yesterday he gave the annual State of the State address. And delegate, I want to start, I'm looking at delegate opinion. <laughs> um, 
I want to start with you. What is your reaction to uh, the governor's State of the State address? You know, I was pleased that he focused on a lot of the um, issues that we have been focusing on in our, you know, most majority Democratic legislature. So I was pleased about that. Um, it was good to see. Yeah. Anything else? No, I'm gonna She doesn't want to fight tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. I have to tell you, I've been elected I've been elected for eight years. This is my ninth year. How long have you been in Twelve. Twelve years. Oh. Yeah, you said that. I'm sorry. It's okay. So when I was first elected, I things were more partisan. And um you know, under Governor O'Malley, things were more partisan. And I think it was on both sides. I'm not blaming it on Governor O'Malley. I think it was Republicans and Democrats that found things to fight about. And um, I think Governor Hogan has to be credited with bringing in a um, climate of bipartisanship. And he's really worked hard at it, sometimes to the consternation of people on the right. And But nevertheless... I think he has red, really red flag, for instance. Yeah, he has set and, a, a good tone in the legislature. I, that's what I have seen in my eight years. Yeah. And um, I think from that, the presiding officers have done the same thing. So, you know, Speaker Bush has been very um, hospitable and respectful of the Republican Party, and we really appreciate that. So I think the tone and tenor from Hogan, from the presiding officers, has been And you, you, you and the minority leader meet with him regularly, yes, right, the speaker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is where it's partisan, because I don't remember it that way with O'Malley. You know, we did a lot, and a, a <laughs> lot, we got a lot accomplished, right? I mean, we created the health exchange, expanded Medicaid, uh, you know, which is why we have a lot of people cover and I think that um, there, you know what, I, I, you and I are going to agree to disagree so that we can end up smiling. But, you know, you have your views, I have mine, and I would disagree with that. But I, I think that, um, you know, a lot of the uh, issues that the governor discussed, we already, a lot of Democratic le- legislators have already introduced those bills. Those are bills that he, we've been talking for a while. And for example, when he referenced to record number, you know, regarding funding for education, we, the legislature, mandate that you have to fund education. And every governor, whether Republican or Democratic, has a record fund, has a record funding for education because when the enrollment goes up. You have to add that to your budget. So we we uh, require that. Oh, although the formulas have been reduced in in some yeah. years yeah. to, to get yeah. the to get the. In the Burr Bus, we always reduced the amount. So you know it was while there were formulas, there's also the Burr of the budget reconciliation. But the, this this year there's no Burr. No the, Burr. This no is the bur- second time Governor Hogan's had a budget without a Burr. Yeah, and I want to point out, and I, I for. Everyone who is listening, it dawned on me today, and Lynn and I talked about this off mic before we started the show. You both are instrumental figures in your respective political parties. Um, Delegate Shalega, you've run for statewide office on the federal side, and um, and Delegate Pena Malinik, you also ran for uh, Congress on uh, in two thousand. 
Same year. Same year. You were high fiving each other. Yeah, and and you both. These are not I used women to, without ambition. I used to watch her on her motorcycle. I was like, whoa! I was envious. <laughs> and I used to watch you in your car wrapped with Daniel Melnick. It was awesome. That was it. Yeah, and you you both you know Kathy, you were the um, the Republican nominee for U.S. Senate, and um, I and of course you ran for the, the the District Four seat, and who knows where the the lines might be redrawn. We don't we don't know, but I, I have to ask the question. Any future amb- ambitions politically? I have to, to. We have to find out that. I don't want to be president. How about you? Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> oh come on. <laughs> but oh come on! I think. That, <laughs> you know, I'm happy. I I just uh, got appointed for the vice chairmanship yeah. of the Health and Government Operations Committee. I've been on the committee 12 years, mm-hmm. so I'm very um, honored, very humble to have the position. I'm learning it. Um, it's different uh, in a good way, in a very positive way. I mean, my chair is wonderful. She's, you know, very open and allowing me to sit in her meetings, um, which is wonderful. Um, and I'm enjoying it. I don't have any you know, particular plans at the moment. Mm-hmm. I'm like the type of person I am. I enjoy what I'm doing one thing at a time and I try to do it well. Who knows what the future will hold, but for now I am really honestly trying to learn this role and to do it well. Yeah, I appreciate that, especially both of you who are got to get into the nitty gritty of the, the job, the policy, right. and being legislators and looking out for your citizens. You both represent very different, markedly different um, segments of of Maryland's population. Of course, you in District Seven. It's a conservative population, and where you are, it's definitely more of a progressive population. Yeah. And mine, you know, did not vote for they President not. Trump. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Um, so, how much your di- district did vote for President Trump? Like, I, I, 20, I couldn't quantify it. very, like, probably below, you know, ten percent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you have a a hard break at six thirty. So, any final thoughts of other pieces of legislation that you? want to see accomplished uh, this session, uh, Delegate? You know, we, we have um, a lot of bills in our committee, right? We have, the, as we discussed, the pre-existing condition, the prescription drug bill. We have a lot of certificate of need bills coming up, behavioral health um, as well, opioids as well, with bills are coming as well, uh, marijuana as well. Um, we have... Is that legalized? Uh, uh, that we legal... That doesn't come through our committee, the but medical, we have the medical the medical part, like edibles and other mm-hmm. bills, come through. Yeah, we, we had a bill hearing this week um, to expand. Currently, medical marijuana is not available in edible form. Right. And it's oils, creams. So you can make brownies? Yes. Yeah, is well, that the idea? <laughs> they will have, um, yeah, different products that people can, can eat. And you think of somebody in hospice care that... Um, you know, the oil may or may not yeah. work, you know, it could help with their um, wasting, if, if yeah. they have a wasting condition where they're malnourished. And th- these are things that don't necessarily make you high, right? I mean, they're... they're they, oh, I think that's reduction in pain. I think right. that's a, but the, a pain management. The bill doesn't say what kind of edibles. It, it, it would allow it, and we have to issue 
um, regulations and those will be decided, but it's just to be to enable it to be allow them um, to process and, and uh, offer it offer that product. We also have in our committee, uh, we have uh, a lot of the uh, states and trust um, as well. That's right. Oh, really? We have, yeah. That's not in judiciary. No, oh. it's in our committee, and we no. have procurement as well in MBE. I will ask everyone listening to go get your medical directive. Just Google Maryland Medical Directive. There's a great document. Absolutely. The they do. You can fill it out, and it's. My wife has mine. She knows to pull the plug. Yeah. Pull the plug. Yeah. So <laughs> do not resuscitate. So we and have on a, the government side, you do you do open meetings, public information. That's right. Act, we had that today as well. That briefing. We do some civil rights as well. Um, discrimination, uh, anti-discrimination bills. Um, we we it's a committee that deals with a lot of different um, yeah, different issues. We have all the health o- occupation bills. Um, and that's right. That have a Battle on scope of practice and what they can Funeral homes. Funeral homes. Funeral homes. We do. Okay. To conclude, I just want to say that as as someone covering session, I'm so excited about the live streaming next year in session. And I know that was a a pet project of yours, Lynn. And and of course, Delegate Chappelle. You have a wonderful picture next to District David 20 Moon. Representative David Moon. So and, and I that was my picture. And I and right I appreciate and, and and seriously, we we appreciate that because that makes it so much easier. As Lynn pointed out uh, previously, people up in Garrett County or all the way down in Ocean City, the journalists that can't this get way up here. I can stay in my home office and I can watch se- session. I can't just yeah. listen and try to figure so, out who's talking. Yeah, I was so, very excited. Good about on you that. both. Next year we'll have a pilot. Um, because they need to get the graphics straight. So what we'll have a cameraman, because 141 people, you might know who they all are. but um, That's right. You need the chirons. We'll be like, who is that? So they're going to put a banner. When somebody mm. stands, it'll say, Delegate Penny Melnick from mm. your district. Oh, that's when it pans over to someone else, it'll, it'll have Delegate. That's wonderful. Yeah, that's so a that's, win for transparency. having a pilot next year. And then the following year, it'll be ready to be the, rolled out. The other, uh, um, uh, pr- the other issue that I like, what we're, we're doing, um, it's actually Environmental Matters, I believe. It's the only committee in the House is going paperless. Ah. It's sort of a pilot this session, so you cannot have submit your testimony um you know with uh you cannot submit oh, it via pa- you have it has to be electronically and and uh, no paper at all allowed so ah. i think next year they're going to roll it into another committee so we are you know very um progressive in some yeah. year we'll get away from printing the bills three times oh my gosh <laughs> yeah well and as finally when we conclude i i want to take the opportunity to say lynn uh is on the on the health front, um, I saw a post on Facebook that your wife Maureen is officially retiring. I saw this wonderful picture with your two daughters standing next to her as a nurse yeah, practitioner. They, uh, they, uh, it's her last. Uh, she spent eight, eighteen years at the uh, the VA health system, uh, home based primary care, and she's been forty five years doing, uh, uh, you know doing home home visits as a nurse practitioner and uh, our two daughters who are public school teachers and I know you taught in the city Kathy yeah uh, came at six o'clock this morning because morning leaves <laughs> at about 615 and surprised her with uh, uh, retirement and uh, as a matter of fact 
Cindy Dresser, Mike Dresser's wife, is retiring today as well, and they both they both work together. So where are you going? Uh, are we going? No, we've always we've always uh, we've always traveled. Mexico, no. maybe. Uh, no. <laughs> Dominican Republic. Yeah, the Dominican yeah. Republic. Well, well, congratulate her yeah. on our behalf. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank well, you. thank you so much for coming on this evening, Delegate Chalegan, Delegate Tanya Melnick. It's a real pleasure to have you both, and Lynn and I will certainly look forward to following you in in session this 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 year. So. Thank you so much for caring and yeah. for having us. Okay. All right. Okay. Have a great week. Thank you.